0: Good to see everybody here this morning. Thank you to all you guys that are clear in the back. I hope you can hear and see and be a part of, again, as we continue to work through growing and how we're gonna grow and how we're gonna fit everybody in and how everybody's gonna find a way to park, but I've always said better to have that problem, right, because every time you come in and every time we walk through, we can just know you're doing your job, reaching people, and God's doing some amazing things. So a couple announcements before we get started. So the first thing is, why subscribe to our YouTube? Um, So for multiple different reasons. One, um, if you miss a Sunday, it's a great opportunity to go back and to watch Uh, what's going on or what's happening or what we're talking about. We put all of our videos um, on our YouTube and so it's a chance for you to go and see what else is happening. So children's ministry stuff, uh, kids ministry stuff, Round table, like our round table is on there all the time. So if you wanna get to know people, if you're like, the church is too big and I can't get to know anybody. Well, if you watch the round table, it's a lot of opportunities to get to know people and to get to know their story and who they are. Um, But we would love for you to subscribe. The other great way is if you're ever inviting anybody to church, right? And they're like, I don't know, been to church before, not really sure, that's my thing send them to our YouTube channel, let them watch a service, let them see what we are, what we're about, and it's a great evangelism opportunity to be able to help people see what's going on at life. So ways that you can do it. So if you're on your phone, when you leave here today, you can get your phone out. If you're on our app, if you already have our app, you'll just go to our app. And once you're on that home screen, right at the top, you just click on there and you'll it'll take you right to the ability to subscribe to our YouTube. Uh, so we'd love uh, for you to be able to do that. Again, we're going to continue to push this because we think our YouTube channel is a great way to be able to get the message out. The other thing is t-shirts. So if you don't, if you haven't been here, we're selling Live Different T-shirts uh, for multiple different reasons. One to remind you what we're doing, what we're talking about, um, and, and maybe where we'll all wear them one Sunday uh, as we get to the end of the series. We're, we're not sure how that goes, but we might do that. Uh, but also so that we can donate money back to the community. So, so far, We've donated $1,600 or raised $1,600 that go back uh, into the community. So every T-shirt you buy, we're giving back $5. Um, The same thing is what we're doing with our YouTube subscription. If you subscribe to our YouTube, we're giving $5 to the meal ministry. So not only wanna be a part of what we're doing, but we wanna use what you're doing to be able to give back um, into the community. So uh, make sure you get a T-shirt. You can order them still. So we're out there, I think we've ran out, but you can still order them here for the next couple weeks and they'll be coming uh, in. The other thing is night of worship. So if you've never been to a night of worship at Life Church, you need to come. It's a great opportunity for multiple different reasons. Uh, so for all of you guys, and I know some of you are there, they're like, They don't sing enough worship songs, right? Like, I'm just getting into it and then we go into the message, you know? But it's an opportunity to not only get to be a part of more worship, it's also things that we don't normally do um, on Sunday mornings we'll do uh, at our night of worship. So it's a great opportunity uh, to be able to gather together, to worship together, pray together, and just do things, you know, that we just can't normally get done from the time constraints of Sunday morning. Last thing is this. If you didn't remember, one of the things Life Church always says is that the only way we want to continue to grow larger, right? Get more people to come to Life Church is to grow smaller at the same time. Because we never wanted to be a church. In fact, we always said, like, if we get over 500 people, which seemed to be a complete impossibility for most of our journey, if we ever get over 500 people, we're going to go plant another church. Because once you get too big, then you lose some of the uh, things that that we're doing here, or the community aspect of what we're doing. So the way that we grow larger and smaller at the same time is to get people in life groups. So just to give you an example from the emphasis, so probably a year year and a half ago, there were like seventy people at Life Church that were in small groups. Right now, or life groups. Right now, there's three hundred and forty people uh, that are involved in life groups. So that's a huge win for us. And I've always said, if you haven't got in a life group, you need to get in one. Great chance to grow, great chance to get to know people, and great opportunity to grow your faith. Because remember, all of this is not just about knowledge, but it's about relationships, right? And when you have relationships right, gives us the opportunity to do things that knowledge could never do. All right, so now, We're into this series called Live Different, so let's talk a little bit about the idea behind Live Different. I'll just give you a brief synopsis um, of why we're doing the series, and then you can go back and listen to the last couple messages. Every message builds upon the next one as a foundation. So here's the Live Different idea. Here was the problem for me. Gave my life to Christ, right? And when I gave my life to Christ, there was this idea that I would read scripture, because that's what everybody tells you to do, right? So if, you wanna, if you're want to, if you a believer, this is what I was told, so if you're a believer, you shouldn't just come to church, right, you should read scripture. So I dove into the scripture, right? And luckily, somebody didn't tell me to start from the beginning, because I think I would've quit, you know what I mean? Like, some people are like, you need to read the Bible, and then you start reading Genesis, and you're like, who are all these people, names that I can't pronounce, and what happened? And so I was given, like, read, Acts, like that's the thing you need to read. the, The Gospels, you know, you get it, you understand what it means to be a believer. Read Acts because it's what people do once they meet Jesus. Right, that's what Acts is. So you met Jesus, this is what everybody does when they meet Jesus. So I'm sitting here reading through it and these people are all like, they're selling their farms and they're giving the, the money and they're pulling it all together and they're spreading out and they're reaching people and people are being persecuted, but it doesn't matter, the church keeps growing. And then I would shut my Bible and come to church and I'm like, wait a second, these don't look anything the same. Right, like when I read the Bible and see what's going on in church, there was a huge disconnect, and I think this was the disconnect, right? And this is what we're gonna talk about. Somehow, someone convinced people that you can be a Christian and not live differently. Right, like somebody convinced us of that. Like somehow, you can give your life to Christ and you can get fire insurance, right? Because that's what most people want in the beginning, right? Like most people, if you ask them, why'd you give your life to Jesus? Well, they're like, there was a pastor that stood on stage and he painted a picture of hell and then he looked at you and said, and you're going there. And I'm like, dude, I don't wanna go there. Like who picks that? Like nobody picks that. So you pick it so you don't have to go there, but then somehow they convince you that that's all you needed to do, Right? Well, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that if you're gonna give your life to Christ, you have got to live differently. Right, and you have to show a difference in the way that you live your life. So this whole series is, what should we be doing to live different, how should we be living different, and how should we reset our mind to be able to get there? So the first scripture we're gonna look at, Philippians 3, 19 through 20, um, sets the stage. Again, we've looked at it once, but I wanna make sure that we set the stage of this idea of something has, if you wanna live different, something has to change in your mind. Right, that's the idea. If you don't change, the, the mindset, then you'll never change the action. We all know that, don't we? Like if you don't change your mind, you'll never change the actions of your life. So the idea is you gotta change your mind and when you change your mind, it changes the things that you do. So Philippians 3, 19, 19 through 20, here's what it says. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the question, who's the there? Who's he talking to? Right, so when you look at the beginning of it, he's talking to a group of people, and he's saying this, their destiny, right? Like where they're gonna end up is destruction, right? That's where they're gonna be, and he's saying, the reason that they're going to end up there is because they have their mind set on what? Earthly things, right? The idea is their mind was set on this idea. You can live one foot for Jesus, one foot for the world, and you can be okay because there, the people that he was talking to. Remember, when, when Peter wrote these letters, you know who he sent them to? The church. Right? This wasn't a letter that was distributed out into the community. This was a letter to a group of people like us gathered together. This was their warning, right? Like this is what he was saying. Their our problem is this: somehow you believe that God was created for you, right? That's that's the belief system. Somehow you believe that the reason God was created, or the reason there is a God is to make your life comfortable, right? Take away your problems. I mean, how many times do we pray for, take us out of a bad situation and put us into, how many, again, make us comfortable? How many times are you in a difficult situation that you wanna get out of? Nobody's living in the same world I am, right? (laughs) I mean, how many times is life difficult and the thing that you want is to get out of a difficult situation and be put into a better situation? Now, is it wrong to pray to to God to deliver you? No, here's the problem. The only time you ever go to him, the only time that you ever talk to him, the only time that you ever need him is when you need something for you. But what happens when he needs you. You ever think about that? You see, somewhat of a one-way street. God, I need you for me, but when you need me for them, not available, <laughs> too busy, too much. You know what I'm saying, right? Like, So that the idea is he says, okay, so if that's the case, when we have that problem inside of the church, how do you fix it? Well, here's how you fix it. You gotta change your mind. What do you need to change in your mind? This is not your home. You need to live as a guest, you need to live as a foreigner, and you need to live as if like the things on the earth can come and go, as hard as that is to say. Like it's easy to preach it and sing about it, but what happens when he takes it? But it's easy to say my mind isn't focused on earthly things until he takes some of your earthly things. Anybody? Like, I'm not just talking about physical things. I'm talking about people in your life, tragedies. Like, it's easy to say my mind's not focused on it, but then all of a sudden it goes away and you're like, holy crap, what am I gonna do? Because everything that I have put my time, my effort, my resources into are now gone. And what am I gonna do about it? So he says, we have to have a mindset, right? So the mindset is, hey, you know what? If If he takes my earthly things, right? Just from a material possession standpoint, he takes your home, he takes your farm, he takes your ground, and he takes your money. Guess what? If this isn't your home and he's building a house for you in heaven, you can be like, I can wait a bit. I'm not going to be homeless. Well, I might be homeless on this earth, but I got a home somewhere that I'm coming to somewhere. So you can, it's not, and again, I'm not painting this as a picture. It's easy. I'm just telling you it get you through. Right, gives you the ability to be able to move on. So again, think about this for a second. He takes someone you love, earthly thing. You know how you 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 know how you can grieve with hope? You know how he tells you you need to grieve with hope? You know how you can grieve with hope? Guess what? You could to see him again. Why? Because you didn't spend your life focused on just earthly things. You know what you spend your life doing? How, I wanna know the biggest thing that I could ever do is see you again someday. I'm gonna do everything in my power. We, we might, all the stuff, we might not experience everything on this earth together, but when this earth is over for eternity, I get to see you. Now, how cool is that? I can get through, because remember, we think life is long. You think you're here for a while? How many times have you said this? Don't miss this moment, because it goes by. Anybody? goes by fast. You Like when you're raising kids, you like enjoy these times because man, you're not gonna have them because in a moment, in the blink of an eye, those things go on. We know that life is like a vapor, but we can have hope and we can live different because our citizenship isn't here, but it's in heaven. Okay, that good mindset? Give us an idea. All right, so now, if you got a Bible, turn to 1 Peter 2. This is what we're gonna be talking about today. So, in the time that that Peter was writing this letter, persecution was happening. So you see this in the church, right? So in the church, there was persecution that was happening. Meaning that if you were a believer, there were mobs or groups of people that would turn around and kill you for your faith. Okay, that, that's what was happening at the time. But something changed in persecution and Peter is writing to address the change. Here's the change. For the first time ever, persecution was legislated in. Does that make sense? So now the government decided. So before, it's not like, I mean, it was just mobs of people, right? People that were crazy or people that were like, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna kill these people. Now all of a sudden, The government has said, if you are a Christian, we are going to persecute you. Now, I know this seems far off, and I know you probably don't wanna talk about politics in church, right? But what we have to address, you will always live with a political system over you. We all on that same page? You're always gonna live with a political system over you. You're always gonna live with a hierarchy over you. Here's what was going on in Peter's time and he was writing to the church to say, what are you gonna do when that hierarchy or political system persecutes you for your faith? Now, some of you are like, that's ah, never gonna happen. That's ne- We're never gonna get to that point. Well, do you remember when I said, How did we get here today? Like, how did we get to the places that we are today? Single decisions. Listen, I I hate to say this, but I really believe that this is true. I don't think there's gonna be a day that I'm going to see persecution, but I think your kids and their kids are going to face persecution. I think that they're going to face, if you stand up in your business and say that I am a Christian, I believe that the government is going to regulate you or try to regulate you out of business. It's not just physical persecution, right? I think that the governmental systems that are happening, if you proclaim to be a Christian, persecution, if you stand up, it's not only gonna cost you a little. See, like right now, it costs you a little, right? right? It does. I mean, it costs you a little to take a stand of faith. I don't think it's just going to cost you a little. I think it's going to cost you a lot. So how do we respond, right? So the idea is, so how do we, based upon what scripture says, how do we respond to live different knowing, right, that a political system probably isn't always going to be on your side? Are you ready for that? Some of you are like, don't talk about politics in church, right? Here's all I got to say to you, and I'll tell you this from the beginning. I have a view. I have lots of views, and I have lots of ways of thinking, but what we're going to try to focus on today, what does Scripture say when it comes to us living different under systems that can cause persecution, right? So here's what it says, First Peter 2, and we're going to start in verse 9. Here's what he says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Something that we have to settle before we get into that. He looks at every single person in this room and he says to you, you and you, and you, and me are a chosen people. What does that mean? What does it mean that we are God's chosen people? What are we supposed to do with that, right? How are we supposed to, in our mind, figure out and do those things? Well, here's what he says. Your job as God's chosen people is to share your story of how you came out of darkness and are now coming out of light, coming into the light. That's our job, and it's not a one-time thing. Right, because this is what people get stuck on. Like some people get stuck on. Have you ever done this before? You just don't have that story. Like you grew up in a church. Like I grew up in a church, and I've kind of always known God. And I never did drugs and I never got addicted to alcohol. And I never had sex with everybody. And I didn't do, like, I don't have this huge deliverance story. That's why this week in in small group Skylar shared with our men's group on Monday night is super cool because Skylar's like, hey. Here's the deal. Let me, let me tell you about, like, I felt the same way. Like, I didn't have this story, right? I don't have a story. I didn't know what to do. So every time you're saying we need to share our story, I'm sitting here saying, my life ain't that bad, right? I don't know what to share was so bad and what is so good. And he says, but this is what I did share. God, and I'll just summarize it for you. God is changing my life, and he said to his friends, and he can change yours, Right? God's changed my life, he can change yours, and so I'm going to invite my friends to come to men's group, and I'm gonna invite my friends. And so he does that, right? And come to find out down the road, one of his friends shares with him, you know what? I'm here today, why? Because he chose to do something, He chose to just share. I don't know, I don't even know how to explain it. I don't know how to articulate it. I'm not a preacher. I don't have this great story, but I do have this. My life is different because of the people around me and because of what God has done in my life and because of that, because of that, I'm just gonna tell you that. Who knows what God does with it? Well, here's what he does. Friends come, lives are changed, things, God does then what he can do. That's why he's God. You don't have to have. They're always saying, Is you are plan A? And if you're not sharing your story, it's only your story. There is no replacement for you. See, sometimes we get this caught up in the faith. Well, if I don't volunteer, somebody else will volunteer. If I don't do, somebody else will do. You're right. God's going to fill spots, God's going to get volunteers. Nobody. And replace your story. No one. There's no one in this room that can tell your story like you can. So we have to settle in our mind. We are chosen people. God designed us uniquely, and your life experiences, right or wrong, whether you like them or don't like them, are to be used to glorify God. That's what your life experiences are for. Now, Sometimes that's hard to think through, right? Like some of my life experiences I blamed God for. It doesn't matter. Share your story, right? Like a life experience. that didn't go the way we wanted it to go. It's still a part of your story. How many other people do you think are struggling with the same thing? How many other people are like, this has happened in my life and how could a good God let these things happen to me? Anybody else, right? You don't even have to have the solution, because you're on a journey, and the journey is with someone, and you don't have to have it all right, but God says, you just saying, you just doing, you owning up to you've been chosen, God can then do what only he can do, okay? So it starts with that. Then he goes on and says this in verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, again, talking about this isn't your home, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves uh, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves and show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperors. We're gonna give you three things. This is what Peter does. Three things that will show you how to live differently in a society that if you do, there's gonna be persecution to come. Here's the first one. We're gonna choose unity over division, right? The first thing that we're gonna do is choose Unity over division. Here's what he says in verse 10. If you wanna go back in your Bible, it says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What he wants is for God's people to be unified. Now, the whole idea, when even for me, when people start talking about, like, everybody has to be unified, honestly, the first part of me is kinda like, I just, I don't want to sit around and sing kumbaya and get along with everybody. Because I don't agree with everybody. Is that what he's telling us? Do we have to seriously sit around and do we all have to be fakers and act like it's all good, right? Well, here's the thing that I want you to recognize. When we talk about, when he talks about unity, here's the key. He told you the world, regardless of what you do, will always be divided right? The world's always gonna be divided. You can't fix that. If you are a Christian person and you are living differently, right, it will be different than the rest of the world and you will be in constant conflict and tension. You can't fix that. So when he's saying unity it doesn't mean what I think the Christian church has done way too much of. We would say, well, the world's over here, so the church needs to be more like the world so that we can get along. That's not, the, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. The idea isn't, To change what we're doing. When he's talking about unity, it doesn't mean, church, change your morals, change the way you believe, change what scripture says, change everything that God has laid out for people to do so that you can be more like the world so that we can all get along. That's not what he's talking about. He said from the beginning, you will be in constant conflict with the world. Here's what he is saying, because here's Satan's plan. You know what Satan's plan is? Because he knows all this. Satan knows that when somebody's not a believer and somebody is a believer, there will always be constant tension. And that when God said unity, he was never talking about that. You know how Satan wins? Dividing God's people. It's the way he wins. Right? The win comes when the Christian church gets disunified. Right? Because it seems really simple to me. Right? The job. Of the local church. Reach people, disciple people, and send people out to reach more people. That seems pretty easy. What is there to argue about? Have you ever been in church? Isn't that funny? You know what I mean? Because it seems weird to me. Like, what are we arguing about? But here's here's the crazy thing, because this happens right now. Probably gonna step on some people's toes, but that happens every week, so you can talk to me about it later. But here's the deal, Here's, here's what happens. You got people that have been in church for a while, right? You might be one of those people. You've been in church for a while, like God's changed your life, you are on the right track, and everything's going good, right? And then you got new people coming in and they're super excited about Jesus. And they come in and they're like, I've been out of church forever. I didn't have a relationship with Christ. Now all of a sudden I have a relationship with Christ and I wanna go do something. I wanna get in the game. I wanna get involved. And so they jump in and then all of a sudden, you got church people who are like, is that person allowed to do anything? Don't tell me this doesn't happen. (laughs) I've been in the church for a lot of years. I'm thinking, do you remember you? (laughs) You know, for those people that are like, oops, sorry. Do you remember that? Do you remember when you were a heathen? Because if you don't, we can remind you. Like, we don't have any issue going back and saying, well, you know what, you can stand because this is the problem and this is what, see, there's nothing wrong with coming alongside somebody in a journey, right? There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, we're gonna be on a journey together and I love you and because I love you, I'm gonna help you become more like Jesus. That's different than standing in the distance and saying, you can't because you are. That's completely different. And the people in the church, this is what's so crazy. You know why people get paralyzed in the church? You know why people feel like they can't do something? Not because they're not feeling equipped by God. It's because the people are making them feel ill-equipped. People are saying, but you're not good enough and you didn't do enough and do you remember your past and do you know your current and do you know what your future could be? And I'm like, Yes, yes, and yes. And guess what? I know the God of forgiveness, and I know the God of mercy, and I know the God of grace, and that through relationship, we are all messed up, screwed up, going in the wrong direction, people, but we're going to go in this direction together. This is what we're going to do. As messed up people, you know what we're going to do? We're going to reach other people for Jesus that are just as messed up as you. Isn't that fun? But see, doesn't that get lost in the church? Right, this this idea that what he says to unify over, the church should unify over this. You wanna know if it's working? Are people getting baptized? Are people getting discipled? And are people getting sent out? Not if you make a mistake. You know, people like, well, this person did and this person said. That's just the mess of doing things together. Have you ever been in a relationship together? We're all messed up and we're all messy. And sometimes it just doesn't go right. And that's okay. We're still trying to fix the problem, right? The other thing is this, unity is not uniformity. Like, I had to learn this. So when I was young and somewhat abrasive and somewhat arrogant and somewhat like, and I know none of you had this problem, but this was my problem. I thought everybody should be like me. So if you didn't do your time the way I did your time, if you didn't do money the way I did money, if you didn't do relationships, if you, didn't, if you weren't organized, if you weren't anybody, right? You're like, you look at that person, and you're like, are you an idiot? Like, how can you not, and you, you don't say this, but this is what you're really saying. Like, you're like, how can you not do this right? And how can you not do this right? But really, all you're saying is, like, you seriously can't be as good as me. Right, because somehow in our DNA, we think the answer is to make people like you. And if you don't believe it, get married. This happens all the time in marriage, doesn't it? Well, okay, wives, you ready? (laughs) Why can't you pick up your laundry? Are you that big of a slob? Did you not see that? I mean, did you just walk over that big pile? How can you not put your dish away? How can you not, like you just ate food and all the wrappers stay on the counter? (laughs) Nobody has this, like, and they're thinking, what are you, an idiot? I would never leave the laundry out. I would never leave wrappers out. I would never do, right? And I know we need a lot of help, but we're not like you. You guys are way better than us at some things. Thank you. We needed help. That's what God said. Not good to be alone. We needed it, right? But that happens, right? We get inside of a marriage, even, or you get inside of a relationship, right? And you and you get into a friend group, and friend groups tend not to be just friend groups. They become cliques. No, right? Like they become cliques because all these people that are together. You know why they're together? Because they all think alike and do alike and dress alike and talk alike and no. You know what happens to the church? The church just becomes one big click. Everybody thinks alike, everybody talks alike, everybody believes alike. There is no room for diversity. If you're not the guy, like I've heard this before, like you got the people, because this is the people we have at life church. This is what I love about life. I love the diversity of life church. I love that there are gonna be people with their arms in the air and clapping and saying amen, and you might even run up and down the aisle every once in a while, I don't know, right? Like, I love that diversity, and I love the people that are just like, it's both worship. It's both worship. The beauty of the church If you're uniquely made, and you're not trying to make everybody into you, but you're doing this, this is what's so cool, you know what you're doing? Helping them become the best version of what God created them to be, then the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of diversity, God will be shown in his glory through diversity and not through uniformity. Because lots of people in here, this is what's so cool, if we all sat down in a room, we're all not gonna agree. I've had people say this on my staff. I don't think anything like you, except for one thing. We need to change the world by reaching people for Jesus. And I'm like, good, I'm glad. I don't even know if I'm thinking right all the time. So it's good somebody else is thinking differently. Right? That's the idea is we need to get to the point as a church and as a people, we can be unified, but we're only gonna, we only have to be unified on one thing. What's your mission? Why do you still have breath? And what are you called to do? That's all. The rest of it, be diverse. Dress up, don't dress up. Raise your hands, don't raise your hands. You know, read different ways. Some people read, some people listen. Whatever that stuff is, just be the best version of who God's created you to be and people listen to me. If you're on a journey with people, make sure you help them become the best version of them and not you, okay? So that's the first one. Here's the next one. Not only are we gonna have uh, unity over division, we're gonna choose faith over fear, right? So we need to be able to choose faith over fear. Here's what he says in uh, verse uh, 13. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to an emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent to him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. Do you see this? Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether it's the emperor or a supreme authority. Do you know who the emperor was at the time when Peter was writing this? Nero. Do you know what Nero was doing at this time? Nero would walk in, you know how we said we have 340 people in life groups? Nero, by government authority, would send people into your life group, right? And when he went into your life group, he would go in front of the women and children and he would grab the men, he would pull them out, asked the entire life group to stand outside of the house, and they would take that man and live, dip him in wax and hot tar in front of his family, impale him on a post, and light him on fire. And scripture just said, submit yourself to that authority that just killed your husband. How does that make any sense? Does that make any sense? I mean, be honest. Does that make any sense? That makes zero sense. The idea that he's saying, like, because this is what goes through her mind, like somehow we should just be okay with it. That's not what he's saying. It's not that you're okay with it. It's what do you do with it? Does that make sense? It's not the idea that you're okay with government authority oppressing you, government authority doing something against you, government authority persecuting you. That's not what he's saying, that you should just be okay and sit back and say, well, I'm God's people and there's nothing I should do about it. There's something you should do about it. When government authority regulates persecution of Christian people, you should do something about it. But here's the problem. I think we're doing the wrong thing. You think, I, like, I think we should do some things. Like, I think you should be involved in the political process, and I think you should be a part of figuring out the political process, and I think you should do the best you can to get people into the political process that, that are morally, like, you know, we believe that Christianity should be. But when that's all your focus is, or like, you know what, we, we're getting to the end, we talked about rev- Revelations, you know, the idea. I mean, I don't have any problem. Get prepared, buy guns, get ammo, dig a trench. Like, do all those things. Like, I'm just saying, like, I bought guns and ammo. I mean, so I'm just saying, like, those are things that we can all do. But not in spite of the main thing. Are we good? What's the main thing? Well, listen, this isn't going to be up there, but you can go back to it. Matthew 10, 28. Here's what he says. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather be afraid of the one that can destroy both what? Body and soul by putting you into hell. You see, here's the issue. You already know this because you've read ahead. So if you read ahead, we can do everything we want. We can dig bunkers and we can vote. You can do all those things, but guess what? There is a time coming where you are going to be persecuted, your children are gonna be persecuted, And you are going to die. Decided you came for the first time? Here's the reality. Do all of those things. But you know what you should fear more than getting killed or running out of food? You know what you should fear more than the end of the world coming and you not being able to exist in the end of the world? that you were so focused on earthly things that you not only are going to die and lose that battle, you are also going to go to hell. Or, I want you to think about this, or you spent so much time getting your children prepared for the end that they're not prepared for the end. Like you got your kids so prepared that something's coming and you better get ready and you better know and persecution and all this stuff, and so you better be ready to try to extend your life That's what we're trying to do, we're trying to extend your life out by doing certain things, but you forgot to tell them that the most important thing they need to do is have a relationship with Jesus, because if they don't, they are going to hell. They are going you can try to save your kids, but at the end of the day, your children are dying. Whether it's through persecution or just physical things, like those things are happening. Are we getting them prepared? Like, are we ready, and and have we done the things that we need to do so that we can understand, like, listen, we have got to figure out, right, in our lives, when he says in there, like, we gotta submit, and we gotta figure this out, we have to, to understand, life is only going to get, and if you haven't experienced this, life just gets harder as you get older. Any older people? Doesn't it just become a little bit more difficult? Like, we think it gets easier? Gets a little bit more complicated, right? And, and, and what he's saying is this. What are you gonna do in the midst of the hard times? Are we gonna fear? Like, I think about this for my own self. Like, am I gonna sit around fearing everything that I could lose through the hard times Like, and I could blame whoever I want? Anybody ever do that? Well, the, the economy wouldn't be where it is if... Nobody else blames people like me. Like, it wouldn't be if this president and that president and this legislation and that legislation and these things and that things. I would never be in the position I am if it wasn't for those people. That might be true, but what am I going to do about it? Like, and I can do this and I can do this, but at the end of the day, you know what I need to learn? The reason he wants me to submit, not agree with, is because he's doing something to my own faith the harder this is what i've learned the harder my life gets the more my faith grows now i'll just be honest with you i wish there could be another plan anybody does anybody like to suffer does anybody like hardships does anybody like going through the tough times here's all i can land on As tough times come, you know what I'm reminded of? I'm secure, my home's in heaven, and my faith can grow. Because you passed the test, right? We talked about that last week. This idea, so what do you do? Not fear the government, not fear all of these things. The only thing that we should fear, get prepared. Do what you need to do. But you know what you should fear more than anything? Not loving our savior Jesus Christ, where you could lose all of what you have and your soul. Right? So we're going to choose faith over fear. Here's the last one. You ready for this? We choose doing over complaining. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. Do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. See, this is <laughs> this is my mantra from the beginning. Like, I think part of our problem is every time we see a problem, we think if we yell at the top of our lungs or put something out on social media or make people aware that they're idiots, that somehow they won't be an idiot anymore. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, somehow, if we just tell them, like, if you just tell them they're stupid, they'll realize they're stupid, right? Like that's the way my mind works and that's the way I think a lot of us see it because that's a lot of what we do, right? We look at them and like, you're, I mean, you and what you're doing and it's so stupid and do you know what you're doing and do you know the detriment it's causing? Do you know, do you know why we sit back and do nothing about it? We point fingers. And we wonder why, why we sit in our lazy boy and read our Bible about the things that we should do and we still don't do it. You see, we have to be a people that stops complaining and just starts doing. So I wanna end it with this. The worship team, if you guys wanna make your way back up. Here's the, here's the thing. So these are some things and, and take, them, take them the right way. But we complain a lot about what our kids are being taught in school. You complain a lot about what, what your kids are being introduced to, what they're being subjected to. Anybody? Right? Like we think about this all the time. I hear it all the time. I see it in social media all the time. Listen, I get it. And we can complain and we can show up at board meetings and we should talk like we should do all of those things. But here's my question. Dads, what are you doing with your sons to develop them spiritually so they're prepared to live in a world that's different than them. It's not the school's job to spiritually form your children. It's not the school's job. It's not the youth pastor's job. It's not the children's pastor's job. It's not somebody else's job. Dads, it's your job to form spiritually your children. Stop passing the buck. Stop complaining about them not getting what they need. Right? Moms, but we struggle, like your kids are in a, in a uh, young girls are in tra- a tragic time today where identity is a big deal, right? Like they're trying to find their identity and we're, we're complaining about, you know, where they, they get on social media and they see social media or they go to school and there's all this pressure and all this identity. Moms, your job is to form the identity of your girls in Jesus Christ. Don't pass that on to somebody else. It's not somebody else's job. You can get mad at the youth pastor and you can get mad at the children's pastor and you can get mad at the school and you can get mad at the preacher and you can get mad at everybody else, but the question will always come back to, what are you doing? I hear all the time, like religious freedom, we don't have religious freedom and we go out and we speak the gospel and we're gonna be persecuted. And I'm sitting back there saying, when is the last time you preached the gospel? Let's be serious. When is the last time that you publicly professed your faith anyway? Right? When was the last time that we ever did those types of things? I hear this in, in church. This used to be the funny thing about life. Church when nobody used to come. It was always like, well, I wanna come, but you don't have this program, and you don't have this for my kids, and you don't have these leaders, and you don't have these things, and you don't do. And I'd be looking at him like, here's what I wanted to be like. Are you an idiot? You know why we don't have those things? Because none of you stay. You all go pick something that's already done because you don't wanna do anything. That's what happened in the beginning. People came and they're like, man, if you guys just had a little bit more of and a little bit more of and a few of this and more of that, then we would stay here. And I'm like, do you realize none of that happens until you do something? You know what the problem is now? Now that you guys are so big, I just can't get connected with anybody and I don't know how to get, you know, and I I mean, I just come and I get lost in the big crowd and nobody says hi to me and I walk through and nobody talked to me and I'm thinking, did you talk to anybody? Did you realize that there is, I didn't know if you know this, you know what? There's a connect card. If you really wanted to get connected You could get connected. There's a connect card, it's on the app. There are people here. If you really wanted somebody to talk to you, go talk to them. If you really wanted to get connected, fill out a card. If you really wanted to talk to somebody and figure out how to do it, then get with somebody and try to figure out how to do it. We have got to stop with the complaining because there's always a problem. There's a problem when you're small. There's a problem when you're big. There's a problem when you're in the middle. As long as we're trying to reach people for Jesus, let's just keep pushing through the problems. Right? All right, now. <laughs> here's my last thing. If you go ahead and turn the lights out for me, please. So, so here's the deal. And, I, and I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty when, when my life seems dark, like I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of complaining about the darkness. Like I'm guilty of sitting here saying, you know what? Business is bad and markets are bad and money is bad and relationships are bad and people are unhappy at the church and things, And anybody? Right, like you just keep talking about the darkness and the darkness just keeps pervading and it just keeps getting darker. You know what God reminded me of this week? You know the one thing that you should take hope in? The world is always gonna be dark. But as a Christian, take hope because you have the endless candle supply. You see, this, in a dark world, will never go out. Doesn't matter how bad business is, it doesn't matter how bad money is, doesn't matter how bad relationships are. This, as a Christian, in a dark world, is what the rest of the world doesn't have. Now here's the issue, right? So this is where I wanna make sure we get this right. So we're like, okay, I have, I have light, so I can take another step, and another step, and another step, and pretty soon, We even have a problem with this. Like, we take this light and we just try to figure out where we're going, but you know what we should be doing? You know what we should be doing? We should be taking this light and this is what we should be doing. Are you ready? This is what we should be doing. We should be going to somebody who doesn't have light and says, you know what? Let me just show you this path, and this journey, and this step, and this step, and you don't know how long you're gonna do this? You don't know how long you're gonna be lighting the way for somebody else, but here's what you're hoping for. Do you have a phone? Can you open it up? Can you turn on your flashlight? This is what we're hoping for. One more light in a dark world, right? Keep your light on. And you know what? It's not just one, it's another. So you're gonna go on that journey and you're gonna keep going and you're gonna keep walking and you're gonna keep showing. One step and one step and one step. And guess what? He gets you to somebody else. Right? And he walks you to somebody else, and you get to the place of you know what? Let's be on a journey. <laughs> right? Like let, let's just take a walk. Let's take a journey. I know that you don't have light right now, but I have light for the both of us. We're gonna keep walking, we're gonna keep walking. You have a phone too? Yes, you can turn on huh? It's off. Well you better turn, I'll it, turn on, it on. Man. I'll get the light on. <laughs> <laughs> turn your light on. Does that make sense? Yeah. So here's what I want us to do. If you got a phone, get your phone out. I want you to turn on your light. And again, I'm not trying to be weird like this is some sort of a like, concert and you have to wave it or do any of those things. But I do want you all to stand for a second. Stand up. And I do want you to look around for just a second. I want you to realize this. Here's the thing that you need to know. You do live in a dark world and you will always live in a dark world, but when you have an endless candle supply, you have what nobody else has. And our responsibility is this. This is what you need to do. Our responsibility is not just to shine the light on our next step. Here's what I'm gonna challenge you with for the rest of the series and for the rest of your life. Life. Who are you on a journey with that you are showing the light of Christ for? so that they can too light their light. That's why you're here. That's what we're supposed to do. You're always gonna live and there's always gonna be persecution. There's always gonna be things we disagree with. But at the end of the day, you have what nobody else has, the light of the world. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that we can gather and so thankful that we can remember, right? That... We do live in oppressive, and things aren't the way that they should be, and it is dark, and sometimes it feels like the darkness just gets too prevailing. But Lord, we wanna be a light into the world, not just for ourselves, but we wanna light the way for, for other people. Right? And the way that we win, the way that we win is how we win in the end. The thing that Satan can never steal and never destroy and never take away. It's the light of Christ that lives within us. May we let that light shine bright. Lord, we love you. your name we pray, amen. So you can leave your lights on, shut them off, but whatever you wanna do as we worship in this last song.